Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. I'm Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a sci-fi horror role-playing game. Your investigators of the unknown are Brian as Jack. Why isn't there a basket that needs to have a basket? Gabe as Roy. Only losers show up on time. And Matt as Rocky. Oh, it has a little bell. Bring, bring. All right. Welcome back, players. How is everybody doing tonight? Good, you? Good. I had my shot of espresso, so I'm rare to go. I had some shots. Who's ready to play this game in double time? Now you're on the bike and now I need to roll. Now that you roll, we need to let you know that you're going to crash. And you crash and you need to roll for damage. Now that you have damage, we need to let you know that you're dead. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. Listeners, if you would like to provide feedback or praise or just say hi, drop us a letter from beyond at lovecrafttapes.com. This show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. Before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. This Halloween, don't turn out the lights. Don't go out alone. Don't say I'll be right back. Don't open the door. Don't answer the phone. Don't go into the woods. Don't look now. Don't be afraid of the dark. Don't hang up. Don't go in the house. Don't let go. Don't go near the park. Don't go to sleep. Don't open till Christmas. Don't panic. Don't look down. Don't be scared. Don't wake the dead. Don't look in the cellar. Don't look up. Don't look back. Don't blink. Don't breathe. Don't knock twice. And whatever you do, don't leave home. Brought to you by Citizens for Don't. Forget to social distance and wear your mask. And we're back! what you guys think of that product tender service? Oh, I'm sore. I mean, the boysenberries tasted like boysenberries, but the carrots were a little musty. At what point did it stop being an ad and go back to being the show I was watching? It's all the same. There's no difference. And according to the internet, we float on an ocean of infinite ignorance, drifting like insignificant desmotes through an impenetrable blackness destined for nowhere, blown by the winds of indifference. Just kidding. Those are just new flavors. Product and or service. Now available in dust moat, impenetrable blackness, and in different winds. And inside every bag, infinite ignorance. Eat up, chow down, plug in, tune out, and vote early. Woo! Now, dear investigators, we continue. Case 11, Haunted Heart. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Our intrepid detectives are on to their new mission. Sent by Lagrasse, who is inexplicably talking from an obsidian cube that glows, to Providence, Rhode Island to search for three missing girls who may have strayed a bit too close to Poe Mance, a local so-called haunted house. Armed with scant knowledge and minimal gear, they travel by jet to the East Coast, then by a helicopter to a park near the Providence River, where they've just rented a three-seater tandem bike to pedal southward a couple miles to the mansion, where local Delta Green Field operatives anxiously await their arrival. Roy. 
Whoa. This is perhaps the finest bike you've ever laid eyes on. Red and white with multicolored streamers hanging from the handlebars? A shiny stainless steel thumb dinger bell? A sweet double-finned headlight and matching tail fin? And two saddlebag compartments. As you take the front seat, you're transported back in time to when you got your first bike. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, my first bike, it was a hand-me-down from our older brother, Ruben, who had gotten it from our older brother, Ricky, who had gotten it from our older brother, Rock. It's different than Rocky, but don't ever cross-check those names. It was a good bike. You could tell that I was the third person to have it, but only because it was really broken, and every time I tried to ride it, the chain would just, like, lock up, and I'd have to constantly be working on it on the front yard but i gotta say even if i didn't get to ride that bike that often working on a bike in the front yard is one of the most fulfilling experiences i ever had as a kid i mean i'd always have people walking up to me and like what you doing i'd be like i'm working here and then they'd go away and they'd leave me alone and that was really what i wanted i just wanted to be left alone so that bike always gave me exactly what i wanted and then i always you know i'd take it down to the store and buy cigarettes for my pops and i'd do all these things that you just can't do anymore because the idiot kids you know they get out of hand i miss the days when i could buy cigarettes when i was seven jack the sight of this monstrosity makes you a little queasy all those bold colors and for some reason these hypnotic spirals plastered to the center of each wheel better not to focus on the details maybe that's why you called shotgun to sit in the middle seat or Maybe there's a deeper, darker reason you feel safer in the middle. When I was nine, got out of school, had to walk home. It's a long-ass walk. So instead of doing the walk, I'm like, that bike has been sitting there for three days. Nobody's going to miss it if I borrow it for one day and then bring it right back the next day to school. I can get home much quicker. It'll give me more time to play. So I took the bike. Well, the police swarmed me after I got about three blocks away. I didn't know what was going on. But they questioned me for about three hours before my mom showed up. Something about a missing kid, and this is his bike, and where did I get it? I don't know anything about the kid, and he was two grades higher than me. I didn't know who he was. But he's been missing for three days, and I had the one thing that they were looking for. I tried to tell him that bike had been sitting there for three days, sitting there against the school. And I was just borrowing it so I could get home early, but they didn't believe me. They kept asking me where he was at and what I did with him. I didn't know what they meant. I had no clue. Finally, my mom said that we're getting out of here if you're not pressing charges, which I didn't know what that meant either. And on the way home, my mom explained it to me. She told me that that boy had been missing for three days and that it was that local cult that got him. Did you ever find out what happened to the kid, ultimately? I didn't. But ever since then, getting on a bike that's not familiar to me, that's not something I'm used to, it's, it's, it's always been a little awkward. Rocky. Oh, sure. It's a great idea to let Roy take the helm on this two-mile trek. He's sure to screw something up, and maybe then Jack will see your brother's true nature, and maybe even report that back to headquarters. This was supposed to have been the summer of Rocky, but things didn't exactly go your way. No matter. From the rear, you're able to keep better watch anyway. Besides, biking has never really been your favorite pastime. Why don't you tell us why you're not keen on bikes to begin with? 
Well, you see, it all started back in the day, back back when I still lived with the rest of the family. We didn't have a lot of money to begin with, and we usually had to make our own fun. And uh, one of the, the, the cheaper ways we had fun is we'd race bikes. I mean, what kid what kid didn't go outside and, you know, bet that they could, you know, pedal faster, or they could, you know, go down that hill and get to the bottom quicker. We'd get into races every now and then. And, and the only problem was that back then, Roy had uh, inner ear problems, and his balance was never quite totally there. He never really could go as fast as the rest of us. So in order to uh, to make up for that, he developed the nasty habit of being the one who enjoyed um, putting sticks in between the spokes on my wheel as I was going past and I'd over the handlebars and rolled. And you know, I lost I lost a couple of teeth because he did that to me more than once. It doesn't take too many times going head over heels, having a stick through your spokes at, you know, a decent speed to where you're like, I'm just going to I'm just going to stay away from my bike from from now on. You know, it, it, he just kind of ruined it for me, and I've, I've never really gone back. Rocky's memory lied. These chipped teeth don't lie. Well, Albert Einstein famously said, Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. And as the old saying goes, once you learn to ride a bicycle, you never forget. Sure, you're a little wobbly at first, but soon you're hardly concentrating on the mechanics of cycling anymore, and instead, enjoying the unseasonably warm October weather. The sun's rays dappling through faded leaves hanging over the path, and the sound of the lapping water on your right. The sterile confines of the Delta Green complex seem to recede in your mind, replaced instead by life. Real life. Without realizing it, each of you begins to smile almost exactly at the same time as you pedal in unison. Who's unison? I'm going to need each of you to make a dexterity roll, please. We're all gonna die. Die, 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 die. We're going to be fine. I need an 80. I got a 3. That's an extreme. I needed a 60. I rolled a 100, which is a fumble. Wow, I'm glad I got that out of the way on a bike. Yeah. Fucked it up, son. Yeah, but I got an extreme. (laughs) And I got a hard. Basically, Roy is just killing it up front. I mean, he is just steering past all of the other bicyclers coming the other way. And uh, even a squirrel jumps out in front and he just rolls right over it. No. (laughs) (laughs) I look back. As soon as I see the squirrel, I look back and I said, don't worry, I'll get it. He starts pedaling backwards. I realize too late it's a fixed gear bike and the pedals are just ripping my backs of my my shins up. I can't stop the pedals. I can't get my feet on the pedals. I'm bleeding everywhere. Probably after the first mile, let's say, things are going really well. And Jack is in the middle and kind of starting to zone out, frankly. He's kind of just staring. Nobody realizes that he's just sort of staring off into space, smiling. And he does slip his feet off the pedals. His feet, like, hit the ground. And you guys are suddenly thrown into this weird wobble. And thankfully, Rocky is able to drag his feet to kind of level you out a bit. And Roy pedals a little bit faster to keep the momentum and the equilibrium going. However, due to your fumble, you see a northward-bound cyclist trying to avoid you guys. And he, he realizes much too late that he's probably going to collide with you. And Jack, why don't you tell me what you do in order to try to make this not occur? 
when I realize everything's going wrong and then I'm the culprit, and I have to remove myself from that situation. So I'm going to throw myself off the bike into the ditch away from the oncoming biker and to try to keep them balanced as I'm off the bike so they don't crash. So as I jump off, I go down into the ditch rolling and I hit drainage pipe and uh, get stuck. But not stuck like you'd think. It's just my ass. My feet and my legs are out here. My head's out here. And I'm wedged in. Rocky and Roy, you you feel like this jerk in the bike, literally. But this uh, moment of equilibrium disappears. You suddenly feel lighter. And you hear Jack sort of grunting as he's rolling down this ditch. And, of course, you stop the bike expertly, doing a little bit of a spin, skid your back tires. Some Tokyo drift. It's kind of cool to watch because both Roy and Rocky almost perform the exact same maneuvers with their uh, feet on the on the bike pedals and do a nice sweet skid and use your other feet to sort of make sure that uh, the bike doesn't tip over. And that gives just enough time for the uh, oncoming bicyclist to quickly veer over and go around you. And he just calls over his shoulder. And it sounds like he says, you're all doomed, you know. And he keeps pedaling away. Well, that's much more polite than what I thought he was going to say to us. And uh, then you realize that Jack is uh, off the bike and down in this ditch. I go to the edge of the ditch without going down into the ditch, and I'll start yelling, Jack! Uh, uh, mm. And I walk up next to Roy. So, you think he's okay, or should we just leave him for the I think he's dead. We should just go on. All right, yes, let's continue. Go on without me. Oh, he said it. He said, okay, well, we're going to hop back on the bike and uh, start pedaling towards the house again. No, no, go. Go without me. We We are. are. I have one arm. I'm wedged in, and I have one arm reaching up, grabbing, trying to get something to pull me out, and I can't grab anywhere because I'm literally wedged in there. I'll go over, and I'll stand sort of above the drainage pipe and grab his arm. And he pops out of the drainage, like Winnie the Pooh. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> oh, bother. Thanks, Roy. I don't know what happened, but I apologize. Is everybody okay? Did we did we crash, or was it just me? We're okay. Maybe you need some bike lessons. Uh, I don't ever want to be on a bike again after this. Well, let's go for a bike ride. <laughs> oh, all right. That sounds nice. <laughs> Mile to go, buddy. And maybe it'll be better if I sit in the back. I feel like if you were in the back, you would have died. We would have all, like, ate it. Why don't you stay to the middle? Uh, that way Roy and I have a little more control at the front of the so, back. So, like a sandwich? Yeah, yes. a, a jack sandwich. Well, what was it? A jacked sandwich. <laughs> Yeesh. All right, let's get this sandwich going. We need some mayonnaise. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not all on the front seat, guys. Thankfully, the uh, packs are stowed in the back saddlebag, so you're good there. You didn't lose anything. Nothing flew out of your pockets. You're otherwise in pretty good shape, Jack. Uh, you didn't take any damage, but, uh, you know, you obviously cost a little bit of time, and your back kind of hurts. So for the next few hours, you're going to take a penalty dice to anything strength or dexterity related. That makes sense. I have changed your map in roll 20. Uh, You've got an overview region of Rhode Island, and then next to that on the right is a sort of close-up on Providence. The circles that I've drawn in red show you where you landed the helicopter uh, next to the bike path up north there, and that's the park on the peninsula. And then essentially the uh, bike path is that very narrow runway you see going across the water there, and your destination is the... uh, That second red circle. That's essentially almost two miles uh, from point to point. Well, thank you. 
Well, soon enough, you see the peninsula of Squantum Point. It juts out into Providence River like an accusatory finger, the white rock on its shoreline giving it a vaguely skeletal appearance. As you veer off the bike path, a cracked concrete roadway crumbles beneath your tires. Once upon a time, it was probably a grand driveway providing entrance to the property. Indeed, after 30 yards or so, you notice two crumbling obelisks of stone, upon which a ruined rusted iron gate hangs wide open, bent and no longer able to secure the location. Beyond, a jungle of New England brambles makes it apparent that you'll be walking on foot from this point forward. I think we can make it through with the bike, guys. Well, maybe if you hadn't fumbled, we might be able to, but yeah. Get everything out of the sacks and let's go. I'll start getting things out of the sack. So you've got your packs. What are you going to do with the bike? Going to gently lay it on the ground and cover it with branches and leaves so that nobody steals it while we're gone. Yeah, I like that idea of stashing it, though, for a quick getaway. Yeah, very quick. (laughs) As quick as you can be on a three-person tandem bicycle, which is to say not very. Okay, turn around. No, no to the left. No, my left. Rocky, you're able to cover up the bike and lay it down as best you can. I mean, it's pretty overgrown, so the brambles, it's pretty easy to hide, even though the bike is like red and white and gleaming chrome and just beautiful. It actually hurts your heart a little bit to cover it up. So. And I put some Red Sox cards in the spokes. It sounds like a motorcycle now. It's great. He actually just took his Red socks off and put them in the spokes. Flop, 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 flop. You can see the path continues, but it's very, it's very narrow and there's brambles to either side. Um, I get out the flamethrower I brought to clear a path. Flamethrowers solve everything. There's the girls sitting there in their fireproof vests. No, no, no. They're dead, but we found them. Sorry. We don't know what happened. They spontaneously combusted. We couldn't help them. All right. So it's uh, wide enough for us to get through the gates or the gates closed? Yeah, absolutely. No, the gates are quite wide, but then beyond the gate is like just overgrown. And it's it's a very narrow walking path. You'll have to go single line. I'll go first. Whip out my flashlight or torch, as some people call it. Well, it's it's still daylight out. I didn't say I'd turn it on. Just whip it out? Yeah. Everybody's got to see this thing. I have an actual torch. I just pull out a stick, wrap it with cloth, and... Check for secret brambles. <laughs> Come on, boys. Let's beat feet. As you proceed down the path, it's pretty straight. You can kind of see, in addition to the brambles, the trees to either side are overgrown and overhang a bit. Uh, you can see the sun coming through the leaves, no problem. You probably go another 30, 40 yards. And why don't you give me a spot hidden, please? I needed a 60. I rolled a 78. That's a failure. I needed a 77. I rolled a 35. That's very hot. Hard success. I need a 75 or old to 8. That's another extreme. I'm worried for the future. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but that means next week's it's all failures and fumbles. Roy, you, you notice that to either side of the trail as you continue along, the trees and bushes are becoming more and more contorted as if they are not just simply overgrown, but as if they had, may have like some sort of disease or something is wrong with the vegetation in this area as you go deeper down the trail. It's that one Natalie Portman movie with the thing that makes the stuff do the things. It begins to take on a very creepy, unnatural atmosphere as you proceed. Jack, you do notice that just recently there have been uh, numerous people back in 
forth down this path. You probably presume that it is your Delta Green contacts waiting for you. Maybe even more people. As a matter of fact, with that great hard track skill or or just spot hidden, I'm going to say that you find a half-eaten apple. Which half the middle? Yeah, just the middle's gone. Someone ate the core and left everything else. Top and the bottom are hovering over each other. So someone's clearly been down this way and obviously had a snack. Roy, nod my head towards the apple. Kick it a little bit towards him. I don't want fruit. <laughs> Looks pretty fresh. What do you think? Pretty clear to me that people have been coming down this way, so at least we're not alone in that regard. Pretty recently, it's barely browned. That's probably within the last hour, I'd say. Yeah? Be on your guard. Be on my guard, too. I don't know why they can't get some kind of gardeners out here. These trees are messed up, man. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Yeah, but I noticed it better. What did you see? Well, it's almost like they had trees growing into each other. They're all contorted and stuff. They're doing genetic experiments with the apples. Trenetic experiments. I, uh, nod to Roy. Let's keep moving. And I'll do a bunch of, like, Delta Force signs. Do a somersault. (laughs) It doesn't take long to reach the Po-Mance, but the short trek is unnerving. Splintered trees lean to either side like sundered sentinels ruined by lightning or an infestation of insects or a withering disease. Their shadows seemingly clutch at you as you pass, and the wind sighing through the branches is their hungry hot breath on the napes of your neck. Even before you manage to emerge from the overgrown brush into a clearing, the spires of a peaked roof gleam in the waning sunshine high above. And then you are there, eclipsed by the massive shadow of the mansion, shivering in awe up at the moldering stone walls, dust-smothered windows staring back at you with the impassive blankness of a corpse's milky cataracts. You have approached from the north, the rear of the structure, but there is a well-worn footpath leading along the eastern side and presumably to the main entrance at the south end. What do you think, Roy? I think that this is a pretty spooky place, man. I gotta get out of here. Should we tell Rocky to go up to the front and start unpacking and you and I can beat feet back to the bike? I'd do it for a a Roy chow. A Roy treat? Roy snack? No, I got this. I led the bike. I can lead this just as well. And for like five seconds, I'm energized. I've got his back, but I'm about six, six, seven feet behind. Social distancing. Roy continues along the eastern side, and you look up at the mansion as you pass it. It is no less impressive as you're coming around the south end. And you can see that the uh, main entrance to the Poe Mance is both impressive and foreboding. A wide stone staircase that sweeps up onto a broken tiled terrace. Prickly Tangled weeds choked the grounds to either side, where exotic flora had once bloomed in gardens that have long been left to rot. Spores float in the air, their perfume reminding you of fish guts reeking on a polluted beach. An ornately carved door stands like a glowering sentry, the unwelcome image complete with two grinning stone gargoyles perched to either side. One of them whispers in your direction, away from here. I'm going to need each of you to roll sanity, please. Why you gotta give me sanity roll? I do bad. I needed a 68. I rolled a 45. That is a success. I needed a 62. I got a 52. That is a success. 
I needed a 78. I rolled a 35. That's a hard success. High-pitched tittering erupts from a large blackberry bush near the southwest corner of the house, followed by two figures emerging shamefaced from behind it. One of them is a tall, willowy, pale-skinned woman in her mid-thirties with dark hair and deep blue eyes framed by laugh lines, one corner of her black-lined lips upturned in a permanent smirk. Behind her is a shorter young woman in her late twenties, bright red hair blazing in the sun and freckled face pinched with barely concealed mirth. Her green eyes flash behind thick lensed glasses as she tilts her head toward her companion and says, Sorry about that. Ricky likes to throw her voice every chance she gets and since we knew you were coming, she shrugs and shoves her hands into pants pockets, looking at the ground. I mean, I didn't see you guys jump at all. Both begin to giggle uncontrollably. At this moment, Roy's jaw drops and he auga augas all over. Hi there, I'm Roy. <laughs> Gonna do the cartoon thing where I slowly reach over and just push his jaw up from the ground. You shouldn't keep that open like that, you'll catch flies. I'm hoping to catch more than flies. The two young women uh, approach you at the base of the stairs and uh, stick out their hand to Roy uh, originally. And, and the redhead goes, uh, hi, I'm, I'm Danny. Danny Potts. Nice, nice to meet you. That was Sorry about that. She likes to trick things. And I'll, uh, I'll take her hand and I'll kiss her hand and I'll say, Roy, charmed, I'm sure. Oh, God, you're so romantic. And the uh, other woman uh, says, uh, I'm Ricky, Ricky Weaver. And she rolls her eyes at Roy. What is it you're doing here? Well, I take it these are our Delta Green contacts. Oh, he must be the smart one. He's not. <laughs> if I had to guess, I'd say you're Rocky. Uh, yes. And Ricky is, like, looking intently at Rocky. I'm gonna take the prolonged eye contact as a staring contest challenge and just right back at her the whole time we're talking without blinking. All right, I think that sounds like a constitution roll, sir. Uh-oh. <laughs> Roll for staring contest. Don't. I'm going to step back to, to Rocky and be like, it's not a contest. I think she likes you. Clearly, she is attempting to initiate battle. I need to make sure I have the psychological upper hand when the conflict commences. She continues to stare intently at Rocky's eyes. And Rocky, for a few moments, you're able to put up a defensive stare, keeping your eyes glazed to a certain point. That usually helps. But then... Almost of their own accord, your eyes focus and you drill your sight back into hers and you feel yourself sort of falling into her pupils. And before you know it, you've blinked. You're, you're sort of staring at the ground now. God damn it. So anyways, Roy, uh, that w so when do you guys get in? We've only been here for, uh, you know, not too about long. About two we've, miles? Yeah, we've only been here for about two miles. We had our own helicopter bring us in. Kind of a big deal. Then Oh, fancy. Then I muscled these two through the bike. They couldn't really handle it. And I, I took the reins on our bike ride down here. Did you take the reins down in Africa? You, you look like a bicyclist, I'll say. You got those long legs. Yeah, I try. If you're going to spend some time in Providence, uh, there's plenty of nice places to go. The zoo's quite cool. You guys have a zoo here? We got a zoo. It's just on the other side of the river. Actually, we could throw a stone right from here. No, I can't throw that far. Like a small zoo? Well, a small zoo, yeah, it's got like little miniature animals. That's all it does. It's got like a little miniature zebras. Interesting. All right. Well, you guys ready to get some uh, ghost busting on? That's a copyright claimed. Well, I, I didn't say ghost busters. I said ghost busting. Look, the YouTube algorithm isn't that smart. All right, let's do it. According to the people at uh, Delta Green, you know, the higher ups that they call themselves. I don't know what that means. We're supposed to be like doing a little bit of investigation here. What did they, they tell you guys? What I know is that there's some girls that have been missing. What do you know about them girls? 
I know that there's three of them. They're all in their young teens or before their teens. Pre-teens, some might say. I don't, there isn't a lot of evidence about how they went missing, though I know that the Coast Guard said that they think that kids go swimming in that river a lot, but to me that just seems like they would have found something if something happened there. Ooh, I don't know. We've had a couple drownings over the years and it's, it's, it's not great. I'll tell you that the uh, the river is a little deeper than you think, and it's a lot faster. They could have taken it right right out to the Atlantic. You know what I'm saying? I bet I could touch the bottom. You're saying the drownings aren't great? Is that what we're getting out of this? We kind of think uh, we we've heard some things that uh, these kids come up here sometimes and try to break in. Just between me and you, Roy, I got a theory because those girls they're all from old families here in Providence. Their ancestry goes all the way back to the founding of Providence. There's got to be a tie-in there, I'm pretty sure. That makes sense. You're a smart lady. I mean, the Poe, you know, this guy, this dead guy who had this this old mansion here, like their ancestors knew the kids' ancestors. You think that's just a kawinky-wink? I don't think so. Yeah, me either. I think that you you deserve a gold star. Well, thank you. Yeah, pretty good word in for him. Rocky looks up and meets Ricky's eyes. She's still intently staring at him. We found out that the girls like to go to the uh, Dairy Bee down towards Riverside to get ice cream. So before you guys came, we went down there and asked around. They were never seen that day, so they never made it that far south. So the only two options would be the river or here? Perhaps. You'll have to excuse my friend Danny. She likes to jump at anything that moans in the wind. She thinks it's something, some spirit. I start taking notes, jumps at anything that moans. She also likes long walks. On the river. Pina coladas. She likes getting caught in the rain. She's not into yoga. (laughs) She digs up brains. Did you guys have a plan of action? I was figuring we just scout the house. We've heard that Legrasse has a theory that the girls are somehow inside, but I don't see that, how that happens. I mean, we have the keys. Nobody can get in a house without keys. You're right. We looked all around the perimeter and... Ricky, you and Jack, uh, and, you know, just for good measure, Rocky should all go and check out the house. And me and Danny will check the bedrooms upstairs. That sounds like a plan, but maybe later. We got we have a bunch of equipment to set up. Uh, will you guys give us a hand with this? Uh, we've stowed it over here in the brambles. Well, Roy, are you going to move the ladies' bags or are you just going to stand there? I got it. And then I'll go and I'll try and muscle all their bags. And reach over to Jack and just be like, no, just, just watch. This is going to be good. It is uh, quite a few cases. Uh, you're not even sure like how in the heck they got them out here. It's like basically these uh, four different suitcases that uh, are pretty heavy, full of some sort of equipment. You're not quite sure yet why, but Danny is quite happy to watch you try to muscle all of them over. Why don't you go give me a strength check? I'm going to pull up my phone and start recording just in case oh needed a 50 i got a 13 that's a hard he easily lugs the stuff over to the base of the stairs and as a matter of fact why don't you give me a natural world while you're at it i need a 66 i got a 49 so as you're leaning over to collect the cases of equipment you do notice the blackberry bushes are again gnarled and sort of mutated beyond what they should be and so you just take a moment to reach down and pinch at one of the branches and it comes away like powder and you realize that that bush is dead but somehow it's still growing 
And you also get a pretty good look further off to the northwest of the property are the apple orchard groves that you've heard about. They look like apple trees, but they're, again, they're all gnarled and tangled up and sort of mutated. They seem to be writhing in sort of frozen agony. The grasslands leading up to those apple trees just seem to be bleak and blasted as if there were some sort of intense cold or heat that withered all of that piece of the property. I take note of this and just sort of put it in the back of my mind with the idea that I'll go back and inspect it later when I'm not so preoccupied with Goral. I'm going to look back at Rocky and just do the keep your eyes peeled for these two girls. I don't trust them. And the whole time, Ricky's just standing right next to Rocky, kind of looking at him side-eyed. Side-eye staring contest, go. Well, should we go in, guys, or, or do you need to do anything else out here? Hey, Rocky, let's do a walk around the perimeter real quick. Oh, while you guys are over there, uh, check out those, like, berries. They're, like, kind of dead, but not dead. It's pretty weird. I don't know if you guys would understand, being that you don't have biology degrees. Well, neither do you. I know, but I understand. I'm going to walk over to one of the bushes and kind of feel the leaves and the berries and see what... I pissed on it. It Smells like pee-pee. I'm just going to back up to get a a better survey on the exterior of the house. You pull out your survey equipment? And uh, Roy, Danny wants to keep chatting with you. She's pretty impressed by how you lug the luggage around. So um, she's kind of starting to question you about, uh, so where are you from originally? Oh, I'm from, uh, you know, I'm from Massachusetts. Oh, that's not too far away. That's just like just across the border there. I know. It's really a shame that it took us this long to meet. Yeah, you you got uh, no one in your life right now? Well, what am I saying? Your Delta Green's in a lot of lives, so we're kind of married to that, right? Yeah, but you got to have time for things, you know? Yeah, we, we got to make time, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean, you know what I mean. So, uh, you know, if you ever want to investigate those bedrooms, you just let me know. <laughs> All right, well, that that sounds like a little bit of a, I'm going to say a charm. Uh-oh. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. See, this is where he's going to fumble. Pull out my phone and start recording just in case. I needed a 58. I got an 86. Do I push the roll? I would. Nothing bad will happen. Do it. I can't die over this. Do it. I'll charm her in other ways. That's very forward of you. We hardly know each other, so let's just uh, put that on the back burner. What do you say? Yeah, we can get to know each other. You've never done any spook hunting? Ghosts? Spirits? Well, you know, I've had some run-ins with things like that. Not necessarily ghosts, but I've had some spooky things happen in my life. I've been searching for proof for quite a long time now. Here, can I tell you something that I never told anybody? Of course, she leans in. Now, I wasn't hunting him, so I don't know if it counts, but one time when I was younger, the ghost of Liam Neeson visited me. Oh my god, Liam, is, are, are the rumors true? Hung like a horse. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later tonight. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, Liam Neeson. Ooh, ooh. Just don't tell anybody. I never told anybody that one. I'll tell you a little secret. I got, I got a bit of a crush on Liam Neeson. Ever since Darkman, I want to see his pink elephant. <laughs> So Jack wanders over to the blackberry bush and inspects it. I need two rolls from you, sir. I'll start with listen. Need a 37. I rolled a 19. That's a success. Just looks like maybe an out-of-season blackberry bush to you, bereft of any greenery. And as you're concentrating on it, you notice there's very little sound on this peninsula. You hear the rushing water nearby, not too far away, is the river going by. It's just out of sight beyond a bramble hillock 
So you can't quite see the water, but these brambles and trees and gnarled bushes sort of obscure your view to the water, but you can hear it. It's rushing by. You would have expected to hear, and you did hear on your way down here, uh, seabirds. You don't hear any of them around this area. Give me a track roll, please. I need a 65 or roll to 63. That's a success. You sort of wander off a little bit towards the brambles and towards that blasted property that leads up to the apple orchard. And you kind of look around, looking at the ground, and you see absolutely zero evidence of any creatures. So you would expect to see squirrel tracks or even deer tracks out here out for the for whatever fruit there might be. Maybe even rabbit tracks. Zero. You see nothing. You don't even see any insects floating through the air. It appears to be just lifeless. Do I see any any stones or anything near, like a r- small rock? Absolutely. You can see that the ground itself is lumped in places where you see field stones sort of coming out of the ground. I'd like to tip up a field stone and look underneath it to see if I see any worms or insects or spiders or... Nothing. That's not good. The soil itself appears to be rich soil that you would grow fruit trees. It appears to be completely normal. It's moist. But completely void of any insects, which is unheard of. No worms, no centipedes, no beetles, no bugs, no crickets anywhere. You hear just the wind sighing through the trees and the rushing river nearby. However, as you do replace the field stone and start walking back to join the rest, you do see a footprint. I'm going to drop in close to get a good look at it. It's the first thing I've seen of anything alive out here. It appears to be a footprint of perhaps a young girl. It's a very small shoe size. Is it a Chuck Taylor all-star? Yep. It's just a single footprint, and it's heading in the same direction you are back to the entrance. Turn the direction where she would have come from and see if I can see an opening in the brambles or backtrace the steps. So you're going to sort of wander off to the side. We'll go back to Rocky, who has stepped back and is sort of taking a look at the front of the manse. Uh, You do see that there are some windows up on the terrace and to either side on the southern wall. To the west and the east, there are also windows. All of the windows are opaque, dirt smeared from the inside and out. So you can't really get a good look, at least not standing where you're at currently. So Ricky turns to uh, Rocky and says... uh, What's on your mind? It is uh, creepy, is it not? I'd say almost more impressive from the... Oh, I mean, the readings I did on the property didn't really do it justice. I mean, Carcosa and Sons did a really great job. I mean, some of the finer details here are just impeccable. I know, for being almost 150 years old, this place looks very nice. I'm amazed that the gargoyles are still intact. I mean, this place has survived literal hurricane somehow either really well built or or something's protecting it yes yes it's it's a possibility you don't believe that do you i've seen things that i don't know what i believe i've been in this business for long enough to know that there are things out there that as much as we have a pathological need to be able to explain are just forever going to be out of the reaches of our comprehension i think that's a good way to put it Roy, what do you think? I think it's a cool house. Yeah, me too. Well, you guys want to go inside? I think your buddy there is taking off around the corner, so we can let him do his thing. We can get set up inside. Yeah, let's go. 
And uh, Danny marches up with the keys jangling towards the front door. And as you guys follow, she gets within a couple feet, extending the key out, and the door opens by itself. Well, that wasn't creepy at all. Oh, so that's how you get into the house without the keys. Hundred-year-old luck. All right, well, I guess we're going to go in. Danny opens up the door and holds it open for you guys to enter. I'm going to pull out the the flashlight that I bought and just immediately click it on and just kind of start sweeping back and forth as we enter just to make sure there's nothing hiding in the immediate space in front of us. Directly beyond the door is a vestibule. Again, it is tiled much the same as the terrace outside. Roll for vestibule. It's in pretty decent shape. It's, uh, you know, the tiles have been a little bit cracked here and there. There are cobwebs above. There's a sconce light installed directly above. I see the, uh, the switch to turn it on. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Reach over and flick the switch and eye up at the sconce and see if it flicks on or if we're... It does. It appears that there's electricity. Danny says, well, that's good luck. That's going to make things a lot easier. I was worried about having to call the electric company to get something out of here. Or a generator. Oh, my God. Can you imagine lugging that out here? I could do it no problem. Oh, I bet you could. And she gives your muscles a little squeeze. And I almost pop a vessel trying to flex as hard as I can. Ricky turns to Rocky and says, don't you find that a little odd that the electricity would be kept on all this time? That's what I was about to say. I mean, presumably this place was built without any kind of electrical connection, which means at some point in the history, this place was retrofitted. And just as you finish saying that, the front door closes with a snick behind you, and all four of you turn to look at the door, and then you suddenly hear some music begin to play. We've only just begun to live. And then it stops because Ricky pulls out a brown zune, that has an external speaker, and she turns it off, says, Sorry, this thing uh it's so old it turns on by itself sometimes. So, Ricky, you're a Carpenters fan. Well, I mean, who isn't? And I sort of, like, brush off Danny for a second. I would just like to let you know that you're in good company with the Arroyo family. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give me a fast stop? I need a five. I got an 88. That's a fail. So, Ricky just looks at you with this cold stare and then immediately turns back to Rocky. So, anyways, I think maybe we should just head inside and get set up. What do you think? I mean, standing inside this vestibule is certainly isn't going to accomplish anything now, is it? So I'm going to step out of the vestibule, I guess, into whatever lies in front of us. Once again, keeping the flashlight up. Beyond the tiled vestibule, another ornate door opens to reveal a small foyer, which leads into the grand entry hallway further north. This once magnificent chamber seems sad now. The wide stairs leading upward to the second floor, festooned with cobwebs, the stonework chipped and cracked by time and neglect. Likewise, four expansive frescoes painted on the broken tile floor are difficult to make out in the dimness, their colors long since faded. High above is an electric chandelier, several crystal pendants damaged and one light bulb gone that still emits enough of a feeble glow to offer meager illumination. It's obvious that, since being built almost 150 years ago, the place has been updated at least a few times. If you had to guess, the last major renovation was probably in the late 40s. A veneer of dust, the gray-white shade of poisonous mushrooms, further cloaks everything in this room. Immediately walk up over to one of the frescoes. Rocky whips out his flashlight and steps towards one of the frescoes. Ricky immediately puts an arm out to stop him. 
And she says, what do you think you're doing? Well, I was going to examine this. I might be able to tell us something about either this house or the previous occupant. Usually art is some sort of personal reflection. Do you see all of this dust on the floor? Yes. And are we not looking for three missing girls? And there's a distinct lack of footprints moving through this dust, isn't there? Well, we don't know that yet, and we don't want you to disturb anything. The four of you are sort of uh, hovering on the entryway there and contemplating what to do next, and we'll go back to Jack. Give me a track, please. I need a 65. I rolled a 47. That is a success. You're able to backtrack a little bit, but it kind of looks as if it came through the brambles where there is no trail at all. It approached from the west side. So they would have come in at the same point you did on the northern end, but veered off and essentially went along the west side. And you quickly lose the trail within the brambles. I'm going to take just a quick minute just to closely examine the brambles where they would have just come out to see if I can see any clothing or anything at all on the brambles that's, you know, not naturally supposed to be there. Sure. Give me a spot hidden, please. Uh, I needed a 77. I rolled a two, which is an extreme success. You're crouched down looking and you see a little spot of dried blood on a thorn. Lick it. And I break off the thorn with the dried blood on it and wrap it up into a Kleenex I had. Put it back into my pocket. Unfortunately, he had previously used that Kleenex to blow his nose and it's still a little bit sticky, a little gooey. He had a bloody nose earlier, so it's all going to get put together. Uh, You are on the north side of the house now. You basically moved all the way around. That's how I tracked her back to that spot. This area right here is more or less a overgrown garden that's gone to seed. Here you see more of those overgrown, mutated plants, different species of flower and maybe even vegetables or fruits that are starting to grow into one another. I hear the lemons taste like your grandma. Take a look at the plants and see if what I'm seeing is correct, if they're like merging together. That sounds like a natural world. I needed a 10. I rolled a 100. That's a second fumble in one episode. Gabe is obviously transferring all of his bad rolls directly onto you. Gabe, how do you do that? I need to, I need to learn that trick. So you know how every time I've rolled, I've been like, I'm going to fail. That's how. Oh, so you just passed that on to Brian. I, oh. I knew this was going to fail. I just didn't think it'd be that bad. Maybe if you were a little more optimistic, the fail would have succeeded. Task failed successfully. You uh, approach the overgrown garden area and you're like just really entranced with these plants that appear to be fused to one another. And as you get closer, they sort of give a boinging sound and unsnap. It was just an optical illusion. It looked like they were growing into one another, but a little gust of wind and and they're just leaning out against each other. Shoo! Wanders headfirst into a crossbreed of poison ivy and poison oak. As I'm looking at this happen, and, and I just can't believe that my mind played that trick on me, that I'm so wound up in this area, that I start to take a step to the left to, to continue around the house and step right on a rake as it comes up and right in the forehead. Blood gushes out of my nose. The entire front of my shirt is soaked in blood. It won't stop trickling. Feed me, Seymour. Shamedly, you continue along and back to the front entrance, and we'll go back to you guys. So, Rocky, don't you think we should uh, check this place out a little more carefully? Yes, yes, uh, quite right. 
uh, gonna take my flashlight and start uh, sweeping back and forth, looking for any signs of disturbances in the dust, whether it be footprints or any kind of movement that looks like it's disturbed the dust layer. I mean, I'll just stay back because I know that if I go forward, I'll disturb the dust and just cause problems. So I'll sort of continue to chat her up. So uh, Ricky is looking in the same direction as Rocky is. They're essentially shoulder to shoulder, looking along the flashlight path. And within just a few minutes, you see a disturbance almost exactly where you were going towards the fresco. Slightly before it, it appears to be some footprints. I sense a disturbance in the dust. Is it just me, or does it look like there are footprints leading over towards that section of the fresco? Oh, you see it too, huh? I'm going to point out where they're at and then kind of trail the flashlight back to see if I can follow them. You don't really see where they came from, although the footprints appear to be headed off towards the west in the direction of that open doorway. What's unusual to you is you know, Rocky, that... These girls have been only been missing for a couple days. And yet these footprints have a thicker layer of dust on them than you would expect within that time frame. But clearly there are three sets of footprints. Small shoe size. Well, whoever was here last seems like, at least to me, uh, it's been more than three days. It seems as too much dust settled inside the print itself to signify it have been made in a, a short period of time ago. Yeah, it's very odd. What do you think, Roy? I think that dust can gather all kinds of ways, but and we should follow those footprints to see where they're going. Ooh, yeah, that's a good idea. I think uh, maybe uh, we'll just sort of set up here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this would be a good place for your stuff so I can stop carrying it. All right, just uh, leave it there in the foyer, and uh, and I'll start unpacking. R- Ricky, uh, why, don't, why don't you go with uh, Rocky and uh, take a look at those footprints? Glance back to make sure she's still there, and I'm going to kind of two-finger motion forward, and I'm going to very gingerly kind of step out into the dust, but I want to make sure I stick to off to the right side of the footprints. I want to follow them, but I don't want to be directly on top of them. I'll stay and help Danny unpack. (laughs) Roy and Danny see this shadowy shape enter the vestibule, sort of staggering a little bit. I'll pull out long sleeves. It says something, but you can't quite make it out because it's all like burbly. I actually say, I pull out my flashlight and shine it on my face. Too scary. <laughs> it's Jack, all right, but oh my god, it looks like someone just punched him in the face. He's got blood just coating the front of his shirt, streaming down his mouth. I tried to ride the bike alone. What happened, Jack? You get into a fight? <laughs> yes. You should see the other guy. Where is he? Let's go finish him off. No, he's, he's gone now. He had to go home. Danny goes, well, somebody's allergic to rakes. What do you mean, rakes? He said, my boy said this was a fight. Yeah. Yeah, but I noticed that one around the corner, and I can only imagine what happened. Did you lie to me, Jack? Uh, I think she might be evil. I guess I'd never thought of that. She rolls her eyes and keeps unpacking. Yeah, I uh, was not looking where I was going, but I did find some stuff. I found a footprint coming from the bramble to this house. A small footprint. I tracked it down, and I found uh, some dried blood. I pull out the tissue and open it up to reveal the the thorn with the dried blood on it. Are you sure that's not the tissue from your nose? Do you have a, a cloth or a handkerchief I can use just to clean myself up? I don't know. Let me roll for luck. 
I do. I need a 31. I got a 30. Nice. He pulls out moist toilets. I pull out used toilet paper and hand it to you. It's moist. Jack is uh, uh, daintily wiping the blood away from his nose and mouth, trying not to get any on his tongue. Rocky and Ricky are shoulder to shoulder, just going, doom, doom, doom. Following the footprints, and you follow them all the way to the edge of this doorway, and you're just about ready to peer inside when you hear a creaking sound to the north. You see a small lobby area that has two closed doors, one to the west, one to the east. The one to the east is opening ever so slowly. And within the dusty, dark confines, you hear... Can anybody hear me? Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft Tapes. And I respond, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Is anybody out there? Okay, I think the two people that we met are not our handlers, but they're in cahoots with the kidnapping of the girls. Why do you think that? Just the way they act. They He's he's angry. He's the third wheel no, in this not case. A, That's not all at is. all, actually. <laughs> I'm very happy that I am the third wheel, because then I can have that outside perspective. I think Danny likes me. <laughs> I'm thinking that just the professionalism and the way that we've worked with other Delta Green handlers, they're much different. Much different than, than anyone else that we've told. I mean, Roy is a Delta Green agent, and you can't really use the word professional when you're talking about him. So you're immediately suspicious of Danny and Ricky. And all of the equipment and how it got here and how they got here and how they know about what's around the back of the house like a rake. And how, you know what I mean? They've already surveilled the property. Why didn't they just tell us that they already surveilled the property instead of me wasting my time? I would trust them with Rocky's life. Don't want to discount Danny's theory about them having a connection ancestrally. Like, we all know that old things, especially in the Lovecraft universe, tend to hold some amount of power. So I think that there probably is some sort of stock in the fact that all three of them were from old families that happen to have some sort of relation to the pose. I mean, I think that the girls have been there and are gone now. That's my theory. I, I don't think they're at the house. They are the little girls that were missing. And they've all they've grown up and they are just constantly pulling in anybody who comes up into the house to feed it. No, because then there'd be one for you because of three of them. Not to mention they've been missing for three days. Time doesn't work the same when you're dead, Matt. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. We're on dead time now. When you die three days ago, so you age 20 years. Take any form they'd like in order to fool you. I think Brian is just jealous that Jack isn't getting any action. I got action. Did you see my nose? Plus, I'm having a tough time as, as this mission is going anyway. I've fallen in a sewer drain, smacked in the face with a rake. These are not good signs for me right now for this. So I'm looking at everything from a different perspective because of that. I have clarity, and I need some Claritin. All right, guys, it's time for some hashtag recommendos. So please roll D100 so we can share some of our geeky obsessions. So we're going to start off with a Brian. Mine's a podcast. 
I know it might sound strange, but I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, it's called the uh, Magnus Archives, and um, I believe one of our uh, listeners on Discord mentioned it, and I picked it up. It is really good. I'm I'm really getting into it. It's a nice short story. So basically, the premise is uh, this investigator, this person, is um, working in some secretive archives in a library, and he comes across these these tapes. And he's playing these tapes. And each each tape is a little strange story about something that can't really be explained that happened to somebody. It's really good acting. The quality is, is really well done. Uh, definitely check it out. It's called the Magnus Archives. Um, I'm about, f- I think I'm five episodes in. So there, there's tons and tons of episodes. But it just flies by. It's really good. So if you're working and, you, and you're plugging away, great stories. You really get into them. It helps you uh, zone in. Yes, they're very good. Uh- uh, let's move on to the Geb. I'm recommending a video game. It's a game from 2011. Uh, I played it on the Xbox Live Arcade. God bless. Beautiful thing that is now gone and terrible. It's by Double Fine Productions, which is probably my favorite game company. And it is called Stacking. The premise of this game is that you are a little boy who's older siblings get forced into child labor and are antagonized by this baron who has all this money and he controls all of the land and you are like the runt of all runts you're the smallest character in the entire game and you have to go and save all of your families who are all bigger than each other because the gimmick of this game is that you are rushing stacking dolls the way that the game works is You're the smallest of the small. You can keep going into bigger characters to help you through different situations, and you can either go up or go down, and each character that you're allowed to stack into has their own abilities. So you're stacking into all these characters that maybe have abilities that you don't have, and maybe there's some times where you need to be as small as you can, so you just have to abandon these bodies. I mean, it's a puzzle game. It's a puzzle-adventure type game, and I just find that it's in the industrial era, which, I mean, there's, like, child labor everywhere. And I just find that that era of history so fascinating, where we just, like, try to figure out what freaking businesses are. I find it very cool. And it's double fine. I mean, they make great games. It's very quirky. It's very fun. All the stages are really cool. I mean, they have, like, I think they have, like, stuff on a plane and things like that. It's it's basically a where's where of the industrialization era, and it's just a lot of fun. So give that a check. It's called Stacking. It's pretty old i'm sure you can find it anywhere for cheap how about you matt what do you got tonight uh well it's a good thing that gabe has the video game corner covered because i'm going to recommend uh a gaming accessory i guess you could call it so what i'm going to recommend today is something called the razor kishi it is a collapsible foldable device which basically takes and turns any phone that will fit in here into a controller so it almost takes your phone and turns it like into a switch where you have one half of the controller on each side of your phone and it allows you to snap it in the middle and then you can then use this as a full-featured xbox controller so i've been using it lately to to test out xcloud and i've been playing games you know over 4g and over wi-fi using my phone and this is the best way that i have found to do that i've tried getting you know those cheap clips that you can get on Amazon that allow you to kind of hold your phone on top of a full-size controller. I mean, it works, but just the Razer is just such a 
a better product. It's a lot more streamlined. It's a lot more portable. It's plug and play. It just works. You don't have to fiddle with, you know, Bluetooth connecting connections to a controller. I'm honestly surprised at how well it works. If you're looking to do full-scale gaming on the go, I can't recommend this enough. Uh, it's called the Kishi. It's by Razer. All right, guys, my turn. And tonight I will be recommending uh, something for brewing. And as many of you know, I have brewed beer for many years, starting with simple Mr. Beer kits and working my way up to massive three kegel systems with a steel cart and high performance burners and pumps and the whole thing. And uh, eventually moved on to kegerators so I don't have to bottle anymore. And well, I hate to break this to you guys, but I'm not getting any younger. And as time goes by, I'm looking to make my brew day less stressful. And that's how I discovered a product called Brewzilla. And uh, this is also called RoboBrew. Uh, depends on which model or which company you're actually purchasing it from. And it's a, a one-vessel electric system with a built-in pump and plugs into a standard 110-volt outlet. Although there are 220 models if you need it. I'm able to brew up to five gallons with no more propane. No heavy equipment to lug around. No need to haul the dirty gear outside in the middle of winter so I can hose it down. Bruzilla is just very self-contained. It's very easy to clean. It's lightweight. Uh, even though it's stainless steel, it's a uh, very thin material. It's very simple to just move around. And it's programmable. So I can actually set uh, the night before to have my water uh, heated up to strike temperature. And I wake up and actually just get to brew it. Don't need to wait, wait around for it to boil. Therefore, it takes me about two-thirds of the time to, to brew than it did before. So far, I love it. I've only done one brew so far, and I'm doing another one this weekend. Two more lined up past that. But I'm super-duper impressed. I was a little worried to move into this type of product because you never know how it's going to pan out. You worry about electronic stuff or electric stuff. But it really went very nicely and smoothly. So if you're looking to get into uh, sort of more advanced brewing beyond the simple Mr. Beer bookshelf kits, I think it's worth the price to look at Brewzilla from the get-go rather than invest all the stuff that I did over the years. Uh, you're going to save yourself a lot of time, money, and more importantly, space in the garage. And you're just going to enjoy it more so check out bruzilla it's great make your own beer drink it get drunk sports <laughs> all right guys that's gonna be it for this episode of the lovecraft tapes thank you for listening please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer if you like what you hear please leave us a review and feel free to review us on every podcast platform we don't care it's fine Meanwhile, you can find us at lovecrafttapes.com with links to all our hashtag recommendos and social media channels, including Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at lovecrafttapes. Uh, and if anybody wants ongoing updates on my newest project, the Fresco Craft Tapes, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Weird Kid. And if anybody wants to help create cute couple names for Ricky and Rocky with me, you can find me at Lovecraft Gabe. I'm thinking Riaki. Had <laughs> a bad case of that in college. If anybody can send me some tissues, I need some tissues. You can reach out to me at Brian Podcasts. Someone needs some tissues for some issues. Until next time, roll. Four, brush, floss, and gargoyle. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2020. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.